Welcome to Children Think, a podcast by Bloom. This is a podcast about children for teachers, facilitated by myself, Sybil Henschen, a synergist with Bloom, and hosted by Risha McClellan, the founder and creator of Bloom, and Beth Hyman, Bloom's director. Bloom is an organization that helps teachers embed child development into classrooms. Join us as we host conversations that will spark curiosity about the children in your classrooms. How do they think? What do they think? How does your thinking impact their thinking? What do children really need from schools, and is it different from what teachers want from children? Our goal is to leave you with knowledge that will ultimately help create a learning community and meet children just where they are. We believe when adults step back, children step up. So, Risha, tell us how it all got started. Bloom was started because we were partnering with a lot of schools and teachers who were striving to give children the best educational experience they could. And as we met with them and problem solved with them, it, it just became clear to everyone that they were missing some fundamental information that would help them succeed in achieving their goals. So we developed Bloom, which is a one-on-one, -on -one, pretty intensive mentoring relationship between a synergist um, and a teacher, and sometimes a synergist and an entire admin team, where we look at how the beliefs and values of the school, of the individuals, aligns with the truth about children and who they are and how they learn. That sounds like big work. You and Beth, Beth because you were colleagues. Beth, can you tell the listeners about you and your role with Bloom? Sure. Um, my role with Bloom is to empower teachers, to support teachers as they're thinking about children. Um, my background is that I have a bachelor's in elementary education and then I went back and studied early education and that's really where my shift in thinking about children happened where in undergrad it was about methods and about what can we do for children, classroom management and then when I started studying in my graduate work um, it was about seeing the child. And I think that was the first time I realized like, oh yeah, this is this is what education should be. This is what work with children should be like. And it really changed my whole career path, really. Um, and so then I completed my graduate in elementary ed and early ed, and here I am now. And I've taught for 10, 12 years in early ed and kindergarten classrooms as well. So tell the listeners what problems or concerns does Bloom tackle? I think, you know, a lot of times when you start working with teachers, they are they want to change or there's something in the classroom they want to change. They they are thinking about how things are, might not be working in their classroom or they have challenging behaviors or um, just things that they can't figure out. And so we help them think about their work and help them think about those challenges through the lens of development. 
And to piggyback off that, I think one of the really big challenges is the cultural expectations that teachers feel. So they often feel like they're working against what is best for the child because of the way they've internalized or interpreted the pressures from outside, whether that's from you know, the community they live in or the standards that the state requires them to teach. Um, and we help them see how to see the child and meet the child within those parameters that they feel limit them or create obstacles for them to be their best professional self. I hear you guys talking about the way that you think and the, the paradigm shift that happened um, with yourselves. And then to say that you think about how children think. So how do they think? What do they think? Well, I think that's the key, that children think. You know, sometimes we get wrapped up in standards or curriculum or what we're going to do for children that we miss that big essential component that children think and they come with their own ideas and their own curiosities and they want to figure out this big world around them. So how do adults encourage that? Well, sometimes they don't encourage it. I mean, often school is a place where we're asking children to rote memorize or to complete tasks that are devoid of meaning for them. Um, adults are thinking about children sometimes as an obstacle between them and the outcomes they want. Um, and, and we, most adults who are working with children have forgotten how different children think than adults and so we put these expectations on them to understand the world around them um, through the lens that we're looking through when they're they're just simply not capable of doing that because of the developmental constraints cognitively or even socially and emotionally and so what ends up happening is all of the the beauty that academics can reveal to children is lost because it's not connected to the real world for children. And, and, and we're talking about you know, infants all the way through high schoolers. It's, it's not just early ed. So I think one example of that is um, in a toddler classroom, they have lots of activities for the children to maybe do like a shape sorter <laughs> or materials like that, but they don't give them in their play, but they don't often give them opportunities to do self-care, like dressing themselves, like cleaning their, the table after they're done eating, um, even changing their own diaper in some classrooms, you know? It's usually the adult that does the majority of the work. And really, a two-year-old, they have this deep desire of autonomy that they want to do all that themselves um, and often then will protest when they don't get to do it themselves and we see the protest as um, defiance but really it's them saying hey this is my work I want to do this mm -hmm. we see that in elementary school where children have 
routines that they are asked to follow. Um, community or calendar time is a really good example where the teacher's going through the same um, set of ideas each day and the children are asked to sit still and, and, and listen and watch. Um, but children have a wonderful capacity for following routine and making meaning and would be capable and are capable of running that part of the day in the classroom um, and asking big questions and knowing if their friends are giving right answers, but they're often not given that opportunity to um, use their capacities in their own learning environment so that the classroom becomes the teacher's rather than the child's. So how would you say that your thinking or our thinking or the teacher's thinking impacts the children's thinking? Well, I think I think about some like standard practices about that happen in classrooms like making children share. So adults are thinking that they're teaching children manners, but in order to share something, I have to actually feel that I own it and, and that I have power over it so that it's mine to give. And in order for that to happen for a child, they have to have the opportunity to say, no, I'm using this, it's mine. And, and once they have been given that space of ownership, then they can actually decide if they're going to share. So rather than setting timers and telling children, you can have this for five minutes and then you have to give it to the next child, which is a management nightmare when you're in a classroom of 20 children. It, it, it's really about understanding how children are thinking about things and meeting them where they're thinking. So what we find is when we allow a child to say no and, and to know that they can use a material for as long as they need to to satisfy their curiosity about it, then they very willingly share with their friends and we don't have to manage that. And, and so that's us understanding how children think and what they need in order to develop those community skills we want them to have. Yeah, I mean, the teacher ultimately is the person that sets the stage for the classroom and the learning that happens in it. So their thinking is what directs what happens in the classroom. Um, and so if they're thinking about children, then their classroom will show that, that the children are first in that lens as they're planning, as they're setting up the environment. Um, if they're thinking about what looks cute on cute on Pinterest, then that's what you'll see in the classroom. So their thinking definitely impacts children's thinking because that's that's what they're setting up to happen in the classroom. And so teachers' thinking can either limit or expand a child's thinking, depending on what they're thinking about. What do children need from school, and is it different than what teachers want from children? You know, I think on the surface level, you would say that it's the same. I mean, teachers would say, we want the best for children. But um, I don't think that's what actually happens as far as in the classroom when the teacher starts thinking about the plans that they have for children and how the classroom needs to be set up and what's going to be taught. And um, 
what they do want from children, which is more they want children to comply. They want children to follow the routines that they set up. They want children to, um, that there'd be order in the classroom, meaning it's quiet and calm. Um, and what children want from school is a space to have their thinking scaffolded and to a place to explore their own questions and find answers to the questions and figure out how to use the tools like math or language to answer those questions. So um, what they really need from school is a, an adult that's going to support their thinking, support their questions. And that's sometimes different than what teachers want, which is a quiet classroom and children doing what they are asked to do. I think teachers feel that if children do those things that Beth referred to, they'll get a good education and that that's what children need from school. Um, and, and so I don't think that they're at cross purposes with the child because we agree that children need the, the gifts that academics have to offer their lives so that they can discover their own potential and, and the greatness of themselves and the world. I, I think what happens is that the focus, if, if we think about you know a decision-making matrix and, and we have four components that are going to help us decide what to do, I think what has happened is that the weight of the decisions that happen in school, it's what's weighted is will this help kids achieve? Will this help kids get good grades? Will this help kids fit in? When, and, and those things matter, but the thing that matters most is, does this meet the child where they are cognitively and socially and, and emotionally? And is it sensitive to what the child's learning goals are so that when I'm in school, I'm discovering myself I'm not disconnecting myself and my goals from the beautiful things that I can learn in school and so I, I really don't think that we're at complete cross purposes I just think we have to maybe tune the dial it's a little bit fuzzy because we aren't really first considering who a child is when they enter into the school but rather we're thinking about how we get what we want out of them, which is achievement or compliance. I guess the question that I spend a lot of time thinking about is do we as a society believe that childhood is a sacred time? Is it a time in our you know, life that can't be had again? Do we see the world in a way that we won't ever see it again? Um, and, and what's the purpose of that? And are we harnessing its power um, for the benefit of the child? And, and I think if, if we do recognize that childhood is sacred, then ch children are spending six hours or more a day in a place away from their family. And, and, and that place really needs to honor them um, and see them and, and know them and not know them through what they've achieved and, and what their grades are and, and 
how they fit in with their peers, but know them. Know what are the things they wonder about, what are the hopes they have, what are the mysteries that they want to solve, and where are they finding magic in their own lives. I think school should be a place of reciprocity where what we take from children is equal to what we give to children. And it feels off balance sometimes that we're asking more of them than we're giving to them. So I think one of the questions we ask is, you know, have we deluded ourselves and thinking that the goals we create for children are the same as the goals children innately have? What can the listeners expect from this podcast? Well, I guess in our work, we help teachers wonder about children, and we help them understand the baffling behaviors of children, and we help them unravel the mysteries of children and their development and how it aligns with the decisions they're making in their classroom and I suppose they could expect the same from the podcast, that they might come away each time better understanding children so that their work with them is more effective. Thank you for listening to Children Think. If you connected with this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review this message. We invite you to come back for our next episode. We look forward to thinking with you.